This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige and engineering first. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and you've gone and made things even more magical by clicking on the World's Best Construction Podcast, you clever, clever person. Now, today's episode is sponsored by Red Team. We're going to tell you a little bit more about that later on. But first of all, let's meet our co-host for today. I'm, I'm Fred Mills. I'm the founder, face, and voice of the B1M. And as ever, I'm joined by Luke Bly and Liam Marsh. How are you doing, guys? Hello, fellas. Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm doing doing very good. Very, uh, very chilled out over here in Australia at the moment. Haven't been doing much. Just um, kind of the beach, relaxing, winding down to uh, the Christmas break. So annoying. It's yeah, so man. annoying. Yesterday, Liam was like, oh, how's the snow, fellas? And he was just <laughs> on the beach. Just on the beach, looking at people, enjoying the sun, getting sunburnt. Yeah, mate. Get a few more freckles, eh? I I tell you what, just to add on to my um, experiences with crazy wildlife over here, I went when I was at that beach. um, (laughs) Everyone was shouting. A few people were shouting, "Oh, jellyfish! Jellyfish! It's like a blue top or something like that." I have no idea about them. Um, They're quite. um, They have a bit of venom. I think they they really hurt, right? So I was so I was as I was in the water, I saw this thing around my foot, like this little ball, and I was just like, "What is that?" And I kind of thought it was like a sea urchin. And I stepped stepped back a bit, and I was like, "Oh, that's weird." I was like, "I might get out now." And as I was leaving, that's when when everyone was shouting out. Anyway, on the way home, my partner said to me, "She said, um, do you know that guy that got eaten by the shark at the start of the year in um in February?" And I said, "Yeah." And she said, "Yeah, it was in that little bay that we were in, five hundred meters off the off the coast." The guy was, yeah, it's a really sad story. He's a British guy as well. I think he migrated over here and he used to swim around there every morning. And, um, yeah, he, he literally got eaten by a great white. So um, I don't know if I'll be visiting that beach again, guys. You're, well, you're not exactly the poster boy for Australia tourism, are you, mate? Because every week, every week you're like, oh, yeah, there's this huge spider in my house. Like you're literally, you're legitimizing the stereotypes. Uh, yeah, fair. I've, I made just all I need now is a snake. It's a snake to pop up it's while I'm happen. outside doing the gardening. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Like, oh, you're sending me all these nice pictures of the beach and all the nice hot weather and stuff. But literally, the spider house, the sharks in the spider. sea, the jellyfish, <laughs> I'm spider like, house. Nah, <laughs> nah, that's not the one. Not for me. I'm out. Oh, yeah, I'm good. I will, I will take my winter in in England. Thanks. Yeah, yep. I'll, t- I'll have a train strike on my ice. Sorry, I'm a living crisis. Yeah, and multiple prime ministers. I'm all right, thanks. England, England. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, right. apparently, um, the ref 
the other day in the Ooh. World Cup was getting getting brown brown envelopes or something, mate, because that was dodgy as well. But I'm not going to be bitter about it, Fred and Liam. I'm going to be optimistic about the future. Look, how dare you suggest that FIFA might be corrupt in some way? Like, how dare you? What, what an upstanding, <laughs> fine organisation. <laughs> it was literally the first foul, like the foul on Saka in the box. Yeah. Uh, nah, I'm not, nah, I'm not getting... That was I'm, insane. I'm huh? not getting. I'm not getting started on it. Let's talk <laughs> about buildings. Let's talk about construction because <laughs> at least that doesn't break my heart until like until things get value engineered. Then maybe. But anyway, there we go, mate. There we go. Absolutely, through. absolutely. We have got a little Christmas cracker of an episode coming your way this week, guys. We have got a fantastic documentary we brought out on the B1M yesterday. 27 minutes long, all about the relentless evolution of the New York skyscraper and how the iconic Chrysler building is going to be covered up. Also in the news, Quito's new tallest building. Where? Ecuador's capital, Quito, has a new tallest building. Singapore's new science centre designed by Zahadi Architects. And as ever, the whole thing is seasoned, peppered, sprinkled and generally enhanced with some of your fantastic comments from the week. Let's go. First up this week, we have got a proper treat for you. The kind of B1M Christmas video came out yesterday, all about the relentless evolution of the New York skyscraper and about how the Chrysler building, the famous iconic Chrysler building in New York, is kind of about to be covered up. So this is a pretty interesting story. There are several new super tall skyscrapers about to dramatically change the shape of the New York skyline. Now, New York skyline is always evolving always shifting always changing and i don't know about you guys but we always kind of like fall in love with each version of it i certainly fall in love with each version of it so it's quite a big deal when something big and new comes along and kind of materially changes the skyline in some way especially buildings like this which are all happening around midtown east which is where the chrysler building is and they're going to really kind of badly disrupt views of the chrysler building whole thing is happening because of a small change to the rules back in 2017 which was basically to do with the, the rezoning of midtown east it's basically a rewriting of the rules by the city's planning authorities uh, and it all came about because of some issues with midtown east which we're going to chat to you about a little bit later on but uh yeah what do you guys what do you guys think of this story man um you know new york like you said in the video new york is it feels like the home of the skyscraper and the skyscraper kind of made New York. I liked that line, by the way. That was really good. That was a really, really good line, and you executed that well, Fred. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you're, you're just Thanks, like nodding. Splashing. <laughs> yeah. I did. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good line. It's a very good line. Um, I, but I, if I'm being honest, I think obviously, if you're in the industry or if you're an architecture nerd or construction nerd and you and you're just like or maybe even if you live in New York you you'd be you know this stuff might be happening right you know that skyscrapers are still going up but i think for the rest of the world and for a lot of people you'd be forgiven for thinking that actually there's not a lot of skyscraper activity going up in New York anymore you know it might feel like one tr- the new world trade center topped out and that's about it yeah I think when you go to New York or when you re- keep up with the news on it or when you revisit it after a long time, the first thing you notice 
usually is there's a lot of these weirdly proportioned skyscrapers near Central Park, isn't there? It's like, <laughs> yeah, there is. And now with Midtown, with Hudson Yards, um, there's plenty of places where they're now, you know, they're going big again. Um, however, Fred, you and I were, um, we, we were having a little catch up the other week, weren't we, in central London? We had a little mandate and um, we were talking about this building, right? We were talking about like the Chrysler building. I love the Chrysler building. And the lady in the video was even saying, hey, like it's um, quite an eccentric design. It's quite an odd design when you think about it. I suppose it is, but I, I, I think it's timeless. I think it's flawless. I think it's so, so ridiculously New York and it stands out from so many similar towers that were built around the same time. It's um, 100%. It's, it's iconic New York, isn't it? If you were to say to someone, yeah. what is the icon of New York? You'd go Statue of Liberty, Chrysler Building, Empire State. It's, it's one of those, yeah. isn't it? You know, it's, it's well up there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think you've got to be careful. You know, you've got to be careful. Um, you don't want to cover it up. You know, I think it would really be a shame if you just covered it up with this massive skyscraper next to it that blocks its view from most of the city however however i understand that that's not really new york new york is a bit like london and i know it's completely different but there's a similarity if you squint they're not museum cities do you know what i mean they're not museum cities and by that i mean there's always progress they're always building and there's only so much nostalgia you can have about you know like the urban fabric it's all about progress. And I suppose that is New York. That's the most New York thing ever, right? You know? Yeah, and that's bit- really what we tried to communicate yeah. with this video is the fact that these skyscrapers in New York are all a product of each different era of the city's history and they reflect what was happening in the city at that time. They've also played this this hugely fundamental role in in making New York what it is. You know, Manhattan Island geographically isn't that notable it isn't that big if it stayed a low-rise island it probably wouldn't have amounted to much but when Mm. you add skyscrapers on and the volume of skyscrapers that are now on that island you dramatically increase the amount of floor area on that island multiple times over and that enables people businesses everyone that wants to be in new york to trade in new york to get a slice of new york to have a slice of the action and it's it's skyscrapers that have made the city what it is, and then the city has gone on to produce and shape its skyscrapers, and they've standed, they now stand as monuments and markers of its progress. Right from, you know, the the boom of the nineteen twenties, we had lavish things like the Art Deco Chrysler Building rising, through to the sixties where you had the Twin Towers rising, and then on mm. into, you know, what happened post nine eleven, the rebuilding of the World Trade Center. I think what's really interesting now is there aren't many spare free sites available in New York. So it takes some sort of clever navigating of the rules or changing of the rules to make things happen. You know, Hudson Yards, they built these incredible platforms over live rail tracks and then built skyscrapers above them. They, they made that a site. They created a site because there wasn't a site available. Billionaires Row, they're buying up air rights. And now over at Midtown East... They've changed the zoning laws to enable these enormous new skyscrapers to rise. So, are you guys um, leaning towards they should set some rules around the Chrysler building to not block it out, or are you guys in favor of new skyscrapers going up around it? I'll start. I'll start I'm with one hundred percent. 
I'll go, I'll go with you first. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you first. <laughs> Just jump I'm so in, excited mate. about this. I know I'm so, I'm so I get so animated about New York skyscrapers. I'm sorry, Luke. Go on, mate. You go first. No, no. Um, in short, yeah. In short, I think there needs to be a little bit, a little bit more sentiment over, you know, the 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 all stars of the New York skyline, right? So I'd include the Empire State the Chrysler building, uh, the Woolworth building. But even you could argue even with something like the Woolworth building down in um, lower Manhattan, that like that's been, you know, covered up a little bit from even the World Trade Center. You know, that was done a long time ago. I, I suppose what I'm trying to say is I see both sides of the coin. But in short, yeah, I would definitely, I definitely think there needs to be some specific laws about specific buildings. What about you, Fred? I kind of see one side of the coin and I think it should definitely be a protected view. I think one of the good things about London is as much as some architects and developers bemoan it, the sightline rules that we quite famously have around St. Paul's Cathedral mm-hmm. are a good thing. You know, they've really protected that iconic landmark that I think we, you know, yes, you can say about economic growth and development and the need to move a city forward and all the rest of it. But I think you, you build in front of things like St. Paul's Cathedral and lose that heritage at your peril. And I think, mm-hmm. obviously, you can't draw a straight line between St. Paul's Cathedral and the Chrysler Building, but it's kind of, they're, they're both iconic buildings of their cities. And I think, you know, losing the Chrysler, losing the sight lines of the Chrysler Building is a bad move for New York. I, I don't think, I think they're going to come to regret it, to be honest. Um, if you guys haven't seen the video yet or aren't really aware of what we're talking about, to give you a flavour, there's this building being built literally across the road from the Chrysler building called 175 Park Avenue. It's also been dubbed Project Commodore for a couple of years. That is going to completely overshadow the Chrysler building. It's going to rise to 480 metres and have the highest roof line in New York. So that roof line yeah. is higher than One World Trade Centre and it's higher than Central Park Tower, the tallest tower, the tallest residential tower in the world over on Billionaire's Row. It is an absolute beast of a building. It's not a skinny skyscraper. It's uh, it's girthy. It's wide. Oh. It's, uh, it's it's big and thick. And it's uh, it's a rugby player of a, of a skyscraper. It's a bodybuilder of a skyscraper. And uh, yeah, not not subtle. I can't lie though. I'm kind of glad that they're not doing the super skinny thing like there. Do you know what I mean? Like that is very much a Central Park you know, mm. billionaires row sort of uh, architecture vernacular. And I'm not always the biggest fan of it. I don't think it, it just proportion, the proportions on them. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't think that works. Um, but you want to, you want, if you want to see like how much New York has changed, like what I was saying earlier, you'd maybe be, be forgiven for not realizing that so much construction's happened, especially if you're not American or, or from New York or whatever. Um, if you if you look, watch like some old films like Home Alone two, do you know what I mean? Like a lot of people probably Classic. snuggled up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Donald you Trump. know Donald Trump you, in the plaza. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got his own skyscraper, isn't he? Didn't he own that? He owned it, didn't he? And that's what that's how he got into the film. He was like, yeah, you I can think, film yeah. only if I'm in a scene. <laughs> no, like, he, he okay. had a thing. He had a thing about that. He he would uh, like help out movies if he could be in them. He was in them. Um, 
Yeah. He's in a few things, in the Little Rascals as well. <laughs> and a few other oh movies days. like that from the 90s. <laughs> oh, my days. Well, um, if, if you watch that and you look at the views of New York from Central Park in particular, you realise how much it's changed. You go, oh, wow, no, these these like skyscrapers come out of nowhere, it feels like, in the last like decade or so. And there's been a construction boom. And the fact that this is now like starting to happen more in Midtown and with, you know, reasonably proportioned buildings although this is it 270 or is it one uh 175 175 is the one that looks very art deco right 175 uh, this is this is project commodore this is the big one uh, yeah to a point i mean it's not as uh for me it's not as finessed or as detailed as the chrysler building but well, it, yeah, no, not at all. Not You can tell it's nodding to that, right? So if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, just have a little cheeky Google of 175 Park Avenue. And um, it, for me, it looks like it's missing the top. It's like they just got to a certain point and they gave it a haircut and they went, right, bang, that's it, flat roof. It looks like it needs to go into a spire. Maybe there's a secret spire being built inside, like the Chrysler oh. building. That was an interesting <laughs> little twist, wasn't it? They, they, to make the mm. Chrysler building the tallest building in the world, there was this competition going on with these two ex-business partners, and one of them was building another building that, that became the tallest building in the world for about a month. But the the <laughs> William Van Allen behind the Chrysler building had built a spire inside the building and then pushed it up through at the last minute and <laughs> beat him by 36 meters. I mean, what, what a lad. Genius. <laughs> Genius. Mm. We'd, have him, we'd have him on the but, podcast if it wasn't 100 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's genius. But then the Empire State came along and, uh, and conquered all. You know, what's mad is how tall the Empire State Building is and how it was the tallest building in the world for so long. For so long. What what was yeah. it like? Nearly a hundred years when it's seventy years or something like, like that. Forty yeah. years, unbelievable. Forty years, 40 years. Ah, close <laughs> enough. Close enough. I just can't just throw around big dates <laughs> like this. Mate. It's not hundred years. Gonna, I, was doing, I was doing the maths. I was like nineteen thirty-one, seventy years, two thousand. Yeah, that would do. But Chicago took its title, didn't it? The old, the old Willis Tower, right? So yeah, I should say we're having a we're having a bit old kind of loving on New York skyscrapers here. The 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 birth of the skyscraper was actually mm. in Chicago, uh, with the Home Insurance Building, as you'll know from from watching past BLM videos. But I, for me, the home of the skyscraper is very much New York. That is a controversial statement because people in Chicago would be like. Rrr. But um, yeah. yeah, for me, it's NYC. Yeah, mm. I feel the same. I feel the same. What I found out in the video, I, I've always known about um, buying air rights. Obviously, I, I know that from, from, from working at the B1M. I didn't know you could purchase air rights from the adjacent building next to you and then put that on top of your skyscraper one by one by one. I've, I was pretty amazed to see that actually in this in this docker. Yeah, it's a pretty shocking uh, quirk insane, of the planning man. system. It took them fifteen. Yeah. I think for some of those buildings, they spent fifteen years negotiating the legal rights with each tenant and all the rest of it. And you know those those buildings. There was one. I think it's the Central Park Tower. The the Arts Society of New York or something was kind of built under that building, and they they sold their air rights for for the Central Park Tower to rise above them. 
but they got so much money out of the developer they were able to you know, completely renovate their building and, and grow their business and all the rest of it so yeah, yeah, for them they're, they're yeah. doing it right they can't ever build a skyscraper above their heads but they got a big injection of cash so it's kind of it's kind of uh as long as it's fair it's just an interesting quirk of the system yeah. i guess mm. and it's like i i doubt they were going to build a skyscraper anyway do you know what i mean and if that if that space above them isn't being used then i suppose you could look at it as like a win-win situation obviously it's not that for a lot of people but you could look at it like that and um yeah it's definitely unique to new york Mm -hmm. really really unique and it's just a little shout to just the geography of new york right like a lot of this is possible because of manhattan bedrock right just just uh just the climate of the island that these people discovered the dutch discovered well, no. Well, it was discovered long before then. But like the Dutch went there, and they were like, "Oh, well, let's build here." And uh, the English nicked it. And then, like a few hundred years later, you know, you're you're building skyscrapers there, and you don't need to dig the craziest of foundations, right? Because of just how strong the bedrock on Manhattan is. Yeah, it's a lot of factors that kind of perpetuate the the skyscraper boom or the the rise of skyscrapers in that city. You've got you know, the 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 economic boom, the economic growth, it being America's kind of financial capital, and you know, again, that's a that's a sort of a cyclical chicken and egg thing because the skyscrapers have enabled that economic growth and they've perpetuated and you know accelerated it as well. So you've got this this high desire for people and businesses to be on a very small piece of land. You've got good bedrock, good building conditions. You've got, frankly, you know, a, a well well advanced industry now that knows how to build these things. So in that battle for space, the only way to go is up, and that's how skyscrapers have risen in that city. It's um, it's incredible. But I think the the big changes that are happening now in Midtown East are really interesting and really profound. You know, we've spoken about one seven five Park Avenue, which is going to have the highest roof line in the city. It's an absolutely enormous building. Literally just down the road, you've got two seventy Park Avenue, which is currently under construction now. This is a a nicer looking building, in my opinion. This is 423 meters. It's equally enormous, designed by Foster and Partners. Got that kind of stepped back form. Very, yeah, very nice looking building. Nice kind of uh, streetscape around it as well. They're calling it the world's first fully electric skyscraper. So it's going to be powered by, 100% powered by renewable energy sources from a New York State hydroelectric plant. So. I don't know how they're doing that, but anyway, they're calling it the world's. Uh, they're calling it the world's most, well, the world's first fully electric skyscraper. So, so there you go. Um, but this whole thing around Midtown East is interesting. So, it's it's basically a very desirable part of the city. There's over 60 million mm. square feet of office space, quarter of a million jobs, loads of like your big notable Fortune 500 companies. But I think the average age of the buildings goes back like 70 years. So it needs a bit of a needs a bit of a birthday back in 2017 they did this zoning change which enabled denser office buildings to be built Uh, but in exchange for building those denser office buildings those bigger thicker buildings we've been talking about developers would have to contribute or they do have to contribute to this new district improvement fund which is basically to put some money into the public purse and upgrade transit systems the pedestrian uh, systems around there uh, there's a subway upgrade of Grand Central as part of that as well. So it's like, yeah, they basically, 2017, pre-COVID, they said we need denser, bigger office buildings here. 
they changed the rules and that's where all these massive skyscrapers are coming from. A lot of them now find themselves under construction or being advanced post-COVID when you know, mm. the office build the office the massive office building is kind of in question and we're not really sure where things are gonna go. But point we make in the video is that the Empire State was in a similar place. It completed in nineteen thirty, just as the Great Recession, the Great Depression was happening. But it still went on to become a big successful building in time. Well, if that ain't a sign, kids, then I don't know what is. You've got all these uh, massive skyscrapers being built, so by the time they're finished, we should be deep into a uh, a recession. So look forward to that, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Fred. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know what? The, the thing is with a lot of these um, proposals, though, they do look unmistakably like New York, don't they? They look so New York. Do you think? Like credit where credit's due. I'm, and this 270 Park Avenue, I'm not even the biggest fan of that. I actually prefer the other one. I prefer, um, what is it? 175, yeah. But 270, it, all of them, they're still so, so New York. So New York. And I do like that. Yeah, I think on the um, they're doing a nod to the, the old skyscraper designs, right? The early sort of Art Deco period around the Chrysler. I'm a big fan of them yeah. too, Luke. I, li- I like, um, which one is it? Um, I think it's 111 West 57 that has like the terracotta in it. I know this is on Billionaire's Row, but that terracotta um, exterior with the, that's a sort of nod to the, to the past as well. I quite like that. Mm. In general, I love that building in general, actually. That's the one uh, Fred and Aaron were uh, geeking out about, weren't they? Mm. That is a great building. I do like, I do like the Billionaire's Row stuff. I just, I don't know, the renders look good for these. I hope they end up looking as good as they look. I mean, I have to say, one Vanderbilt, the renders looked good. They they gave us some nice renders, but what's been built just looks like a cheap glass watered-down eyesore, to be quite honest. It doesn't really... No. It just doesn't no. really feel like a long-lasting, fantastic addition to the New York skyline, like Billionaire's Row... Um, Empire State Building, Chrysler, One World Trade does. I kind of feel the same about Hudson Yards. Hudson Yards is quite eye-catching, but it just looks a bit, I don't know, a bit forgettable. Mm. Yeah, there we go. And it, and I think that's what, like, with Liam and I saying, you know, does feel New York. Those buildings, I don't feel always look that New York, especially Hudson Yards, man. Like, Hudson Yards looks good, but it could be anywhere. Like that whole development mm. could be in any city on the planet. Like if it, Liam, if like if they were like, oh yeah, Hudson Yards, we're we're building this like financial district in in, in Sydney, you'd look at it and go, oh yeah, that looks about right, doesn't it? Yeah, do you know definitely. what I mean? Like, you, you could see that down on the waterfront easily, easy, and you, yeah, you wouldn't easy. look twice at it. You'd be like, oh, that's that's cool, looks beautiful, yeah. Great. And you could have a few of those towers in Canary Wharf as well, and you'd also mm. do the same. You'd be like, oh yeah, looks about right. That's not a good thing, I don't think. I don't think that's like a bit like what you're saying, Fred. That doesn't add to the legacy and just the texture, the flavor of New York skyline, which is so important to a city like New York, which was built on its skyline, built on its architecture, its construction, its skyscraper, you know, and to settle. And it feels a bit like at times cities settle for average designs because of profit 
you know what I mean? Like they're sold, didn't they? They're like the, the salesman comes along and says, oh, we're going to bring this amount of jobs to the area. We're going to do this. We're going to revitalize this area of the city. And there's some strong arguments there, some valid arguments there. But you gotta you got to keep it authentically, authentic to the area. I'm not even talking about New York now, but like same in London, same in Paris, same wherever, right? And that's the problem with a lot of modern architecture, I think. I believe there's obviously yeah. been a lot of coverage on on Hudson Yards about how it came about, whether or not it's right for New York, some of the loopholes it went through, and some of the things that happened. But I think what struck me most about Hudson Yards is the screaming contrast between that district and its immediate surroundings. Like it is completely different. I think there's right. there's a degree of zoning in New York. Like you have the financial district, you have sort of Lower Manhattan, the World Trade Center. That feels very corporate, very skyscrapers. There's there's Midtown, there's Billionaires Row. It, it is reasonably zoned, but then you have this like this this very weird soulless glass office district mm-hmm. alongside a very low rise residential district. And it just doesn't. I don't know. That that was the biggest thing that struck me. It was like, whoa, this feels very imposed, not. It's it's come and imposed itself on the city. It hasn't added itself or integrated itself to the city very well. Hudson Yards developers would argue against that. They would say they're doing loads of stuff to support the local area. You know, they've added culture and all the rest of it, food, restaurants, shops. But a lot of those shops are Fendi, Rolex, and you know, Hugo Boss, <laughs> Gucci, <laughs> Gucci Gang. Yeah, classic. Yeah. I was just going to ask. I'm, I'm just wondering what um, what sort of era of skyscrapers do you guys prefer in New York? I think I know what Fred's is. I'll let you answer it though, mate. It's a good question. I was thinking about this question earlier because we, we kind of go through all these different eras in the video where we talk about the evolution of the skyscrapers. I kind of, I do kind of like the 1920s because it felt so bold and new and exciting and maybe this is nostalgia talking but for me it's just that just will always be classic iconic new york and it's all that heritage and all that idealism and hope that really kicked off and started pretty much everything else that followed Mm. yeah i'm I hate to be lame, but um, it's a great question, by the way, Liam. But like, I'm mm. I'm probably gonna bounce off of uh, old Freddie Boy's uh, answer <laughs> and just say that just up it a bit and say the 1930s, uh, because they went a little bit taller <laughs> then <laughs> and a bit more iconic. So I'm gonna go for the 1930s because that is it's ridiculously New York, and I think just it's follow, follows on from my prior point that like around the world. Right now, cities are using the idea of the skyscraper. They have to, you know, and they can cleverly use that idea, that concept. But um, in New York, it's, it's you know, you're not going to build a 1920 skyscraper. You're not going to build a 1930 skyscraper. That's it. That era is done. That's finished. Um, and so for that reason, I think it's like it's authentic. It's so authentically New York, authentically American. That mm. as Europeans, as Australians, why or New Kiwis, <laughs> you know, you look at that and you go, "Oh, mate, it's so, it's so of that time. It's of their own culture." Yeah, you know, and people always criticize. Stupid people criticize America for not having a culture, and it's like, no, America has a very strong culture. This is just mm. one small aspect of the, you know, incredible culture that that the US has built. 
you know, or one part of uh, Incredible. Obviously, every country has issues. But anyway, I digress. Uh, you can't replicate that. You can't buy that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You cannot buy that sort of style. What about so you? So that's my answer. Mate, mine is uh, Billionaire's Row, that era. I, 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 I appreciate, uh, yeah, I appreciate the twenties, the thirties, and you know the iconic buildings that are, are timeless, and you know, um, just I, maybe it's because I work at the B One M, we cover billionaires row a lot, and I watch a lot of the footage that we get from the journalists and things like that. I just love how sleek and uh, uh, slender as well, and I quite like modern buildings. Um, you know that one eleven. Uh, West 57 is what's well, 435 meters high and it's 18 meters wide. Yeah, it's crazy. I've, ne- I've never been to New York. I really want to go. That's why I don't have too much of an opinion on the buildings because I feel like I need to see them for myself. Um, but just seeing that shoot up next to Central Park just looks astonishing. It's just amazing. And that to me is modern New York, modern America, maybe. There you go. I, I agree, mate. Really I, I good have answer. To say, yeah, I have to say, like Luke was saying earlier about he doesn't like the super skinny stuff. I love the skinny stuff because for me, I've said it before in previous episodes, it's like that arresting feeling where it takes you back and you go, my God, how mm. did the construction mm. industry build that? It is an incredible feat of construction. It looks impossible, and yet they've made it happen. And for me, that just... I'm sticking with the 1920s, right? I'm sticking with them with my era, but I, I can appreciate <laughs> where Liam's coming from. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, they're pretty incredible buildings. I going to say, yeah, I agree for it. it. It sort of, I can imagine if you see it in person, your jaw just drops. It's just like, that is, yeah, it's incredible. It's an incredible feat of engineering. Fred, is there a, um, an underrated skyscraper that you love that's in New York? Well, we actually mentioned it in the in the video. So the Hearst Tower for me is a very, very cool, very classic Foster in the sort of two thousands skyscraper. It's it's got all kinds of cool things about it because it extends itself above the above the original Hearst Tower building. It reinvents it, modernizes it. I love that for uh, a whole host of reasons. For me, it's 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 really good. Woolworth Building is another one that's up there for me. 56 Leonard, the Mm. Jenga Tower, another one that's up there for me. Uh, No, mate, I can't pick one. Sorry. Mm. You've asked me an impossible (laughs) question. (laughs) I'm going to throw some out that I really like. And one of them is an old um, tower um, or skyscraper, 70 Pine Street. It was built in 1932. And I think it's kind of been just overshadowed by so many of its neighbors, so many other famous towers. But 70 Pine Street is stunningly beautiful. And that's one of the, that's one, one of the towers that I thought of when I, when I said like 1930s New York. It's just, it's so ridiculously New York. And yet it's, mm. it's not, it's forgotten about. Like you don't see that in, you know, like the B roll in like Friends. Like you don't really see that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you see, I, I, yeah. I feel like I've seen that in a Batman movie, mate. It looks definitely like a something I've seen in Batman. You, old, like, you probably style. have, yeah, yeah. You it probably, yeah, it probably is like Batman or something. But it's it's so, yeah. I think that's a really like underrated beauty. Um, and also, like, I really like the Eight Spruce Street. You know, like the Be- Beekman Tower. I think they call it. It's Frank Gehry's skyscraper. That is so nice. That is so nice. The way the cladding is just so, it's so Frank Gehry, and yet it's still like such a classic New York tower silhouette. 
oh mate so clever such a clever design eight spruce street and um i'm gonna give a little cheeky shout out to the four seasons hotel you know Ooh. have you seen that fred the four seasons have, in have. i think it's low low downtown is it or lower manhattan um and it looks like an old skyscraper so i said earlier you know, we th- this is a tower that's been built to um, complement its surroundings. And, yeah, so the Four Seasons Hotel. That was built in 2016, and it doesn't look like a 2016 building. And I kind of yeah. like, like it. I think it works. I always want to throw go. in the uh, RCA Victor building on Lexington, built in the 1930s. It's got this incredible summit with all these kind of very ornate Gothic architecture around it. It's incredible. It was actually featured in... Uh, a film called The Adjustment Bureau, which wasn't a great film, but it had uh, Matt Damon and Emily Blunt in it, and I bloody love Emily Blunt. If you're listening, Emily, marry me. I want to go on a date with you. I love you to bits. Um, but it was like, in that Caroline's movie. Uh, she spill she blood, she mate. Listen. She does. She doesn't. Well, she does listen actually. So hi, Carol. She knows about my Emily hi, Blunt obsession, though. She's on board with the Emily Blunt obsession. I think she'd let me have the night off She's for that. Oh, the night off. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I kidding? The whole night, the night off. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that building is set as uh, like God's headquarters in heaven because it looks so sort of cathedral-like and religious. It's very yeah, it's a nice building. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I like that. I like that. I, I think I was watching something the other day where um, are you talking about the Rockefeller Center, right? No, mate. I'm talking about or the, the R- RCA no, Victor R- building. Oh, RCA. Oh, right. Okay. Let, I, I'm not sure what that is. Let me just keep going. You'll know it when you see it. It's a nice one. 1931 was built. Beautiful. I was the Victor building. It's just come up with the HMV logo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, no, that is a stunner. No, no, that is a stunner. You know what's a shame is? Oh, that is unreal, man. I didn't know the name of it. That is beautiful. Yeah, that, that crown is unbelievable, isn't it? I wish it had a different name. RCA, Victor Building. That's a stupid name. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Voice my opinion on that. But uh, yeah, beautiful. Oh, there's so many beautiful skyscrapers in New York, mate. And, and um, yeah, such a timely video. You know, this time of year, people are watching films set in New York and Manhattan, of course. And mm. You know, that's the whole idea. This it is wouldn't kind of be the, that. Almost like, this is kind of the, yeah. the B1M Christmas special, guys, right? This is we've brought it out this week on purpose. It's 27 minutes long. It is like a love letter to the New York skyscraper. There's loads of detail, really cool graphics, acres of information, really cool access. Check it out. Stick it on with your friends and family over Christmas. Uh, let us know what you think. Get your comments coming in. <laughs> what's your favorite? What, what's your favorite skyscraper? We last year. We had many people sending us pictures of us of them watching Billionaires Row over Christmas and sharing it with their mates. It's a good time of year for YouTube, it really is. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. there's nothing on TV after the King's speech. Stick it on, get cracking with the <laughs> bit of the B1M <laughs> with the family round. <laughs> mm. Guys, let us know what you thought of this video. Sorry, thought. Let us know what you thought of this video. What's your favourite New York skyscraper era? What's your favourite skyscraper in New York? Get us your comments coming in. Podcast at theb1m.com This 
This week's episode is sponsored by Red Team. Red Team Software is a growing construction management software company built by contractors who understand the day-to-day challenges of construction projects. <laughs> Goodness me, are there some day-to-day challenges of construction projects right now? Their solutions, Red Team Flex, Red Team Go, and Field Lens by Red Team are designed to enable projects big or small around the globe, even in places like Australia, where Liam is right now. In fact, I think they've got pretty good foothold in Australia, so, you know, it's there for you too, mate. Today, let's learn more about Field Lens, their dynamic field management solution available in six languages that enables end-to-end real-time project collaboration between architects, GCs, and subcontractors. If the name sounds familiar, that's because FieldLens has actually been around since 2014. Red Team acquired FieldLens in 2021 and has since been bringing new enhancements and updates to its client base of over 150,000 users. Most recently, they introduced new markup and redlining capabilities, optimizing the communication flow between everyone on site and in the office. Last month, they also launched a new integration between Red Team Flex, their construction management platform, and field lens, making connecting workflows and collaborating on projects even easier. With more enhancements in the works, stay tuned for updates. Red Team currently offers a free version of field lens, which includes unlimited projects, RFI posting, submittals, punch lists, and more. Head to redteam.com to try the free version today. Couple of things. One, a punch list in the UK is snagging, especially when you go around the building and near the end and mark up things that need to be sorted out and tied up before you hand over the project they call it punch lists in america snag lists here also what a good what a good deal this is redteam.com mm. guys easy to remember easy and quick to type in free version of field lens with all those goodies in it like unlimited projects rfi postings submittals punch lists good christmas gift again if you ask me it is it is yeah look if you didn't get that i'll, I'll explain it to you just in a nutshell right <laughs> so field lens is a dynamic intuitive job site collaboration software for construction companies of all sizes that keep project teams connected in real time mate you looked a bit confused wow. for its readout so i thought i'd sum it up for you <laughs> I, was, I was i was like what's yeah. this what are they talking about you know i thought it was a drink <laughs> but now that makes <laughs> now it makes sense now it yeah, makes mate. sense Great software, great company. As I said, the thing about it being designed and, well, created by contractors who understand the challenges of the industry is really important. Sometimes software is just kind of put together by technological people who don't quite get how construction works. That's not the case here. Red Team really understand it. They've designed it with the industry in mind. They've designed it with the industry's inputs. So, yeah, go and give it a go. Redteam.com. Try out the free version today. Get yourself on the Red Team. It's the place to be. I was on the Red Team at school, funnily enough, which is... uh, so obviously, it's the place to be. Um, yeah, my son changed his favorite color recently. I say recently, within like the last year. He was he was blue everything, right? He had a blue bedroom. He painted his whole bedroom blue, all the rest of it. Blue bike, blue coat, you know, all of it. And now he's decided he likes, uh, he's changed the color to red. So that's annoying. But like, are you sure you don't want to so, change back? <laughs> yeah. when you, are you going to paint the room? When you, red? No. Get him a, We've actually painted it white Fieldlands now. trial, mate, with the red team. We painted it white, and he's got posters up, so we can change the posters as as it evolves uh, and grows with these different interests over time. Yeah. Mm. I like that. Let's go back to Red Team. Redteam.com, guys. Try the free version of Field Lens today. As I said, loads of good stuff in there. Unlimited projects, RFI postings, some metals, punch or snag lists, depending which side of the Atlantic you're from. 
Go and check it out. Get the free version. That is, once again, redteam.com. Also in the news this week, we are heading down to Ecuador and its capital, Quito, which has a new tallest building. So this is designed by Bjark Ingels Group. It's called iQon. It's basically I-Q-O-N in block caps. So go away and work that one out. It's some clever developer name. 32 stories, pixelated facade, pretty Bjark Ingels. Uh, interesting, this is kind of rising amongst a few other buildings right now because Quito was historically a pretty low-rise capital. But the relocation of the city centre airport about a decade ago has enabled them to lift height restrictions and now there's a whole new wave of high-rises coming through. So I say high-rises, this one's 32, there's a couple of 24 stories knocking around as well. So big for the city, not as big as other places, but um, yeah, a lot of love for this one, kind of across the piece. What, uh, well, I say that, mixed bag really. We've got people saying, looks like a right faff to build Luke saying it looks tasty. Other people saying I'm in love with those balconies. Looks amazing. Setting a new standard for the city. Stunning design. It's a bit like One Park Drive in Canary Wharf. Yeah, it, generally positive. A little bit of mixed bag. What do you guys think? And I'm sure it's good in like Ecuador. Obviously, it's like an up and coming in Quito. It's an up and coming city. What are you looking at? That's a backhanded compliment if I ever heard one. I'm sure it's good in Ecuador. Oh, mate. If I saw that in London, Sydney, wherever I was, I wouldn't look twice at it. I'm really not a fan of it. The second photo, it just looks like a crowded. I don't know, just cages. Doesn't it look like cages to you guys? I see, I kind of like it because it does, and the probably the reason I do like it is because it does resemble part driving Canary Wharf in London. And that's probably why I'm like, oh no, this is quite tasty. However, parts of it I like, other parts I'm not so sure on. And now that Liam. <laughs> So elo- eloquently put it, like it looks like cages. I'm like, I see your point. I, is it, you know, I do. I see your point. Yeah, is the thing you like the pool on top? <laughs> what and that's it? <laughs> you know, just, it I I kind of like the concrete finish. You know, I'm not always yeah, the biggest fan of concrete. Nice. Is it is it a concrete finish? Yeah, it looks like it, right? I kind of like mean, it. The last slide, though, if you look at that. It, it really does nothing for me. See, that's where I think it looks pretty decent, actually. The slimmer side of it looks pretty decent. Um, do you know what? Yeah, I'm going to say I like this more than I dislike it. I'll say that. Fred, what what do you think of it, mate? I'm sort of in Liam's camp. So I think it does look good for where it is. Is it Bjark Ingle's best work? Probably not. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's okay. It's... Uh, Filler, not killer, I would say. Does yeah. does the job. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Nice pool. It's nice when pool. it's it, Yeah, the pool looks good. It's the when a city becomes great. all filler, no killer. That's when that's when you've got to be worried. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm pretty Which sure that's are, the name of the album. <laughs> that's Milton Keynes uh strap line in Latin, isn't it? Across their coat of arms. <laughs> all, all filler, no killer. <laughs> 
<laughs> where else is uh, uh well okay good question what what cities for you are all filler no killer and what cities are all killer no filler well i can use locally i can say somewhere like canary wharf feels like a lot of filler mm. like east london looks like a lot of filler whereas the city of london say what you want about it with the crazy shapes and that that is literally all killer isn't it like at least it looks unique at least it looks like london um, so I, I'd, I'd probably say say that immediately. Um, I'll have a thing. There are, there's a lot of like American skylines that look like all filler in there. Oh yeah, yeah. blimey! Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of like those mid, not quite mega cities that you're like, oh, that just it just, just some randomly plonked skyscrapers that are quite tall. I think of places maybe like Houston and. Omaha or something in Nebraska. I don't know. <laughs> Picking on those guys. I, I love San Diego. Yeah. I love everything about San Diego, but its skyline is just the most forgettable pile of boxes. Mm. It really is. Sorry, San Diego. I, but, um, do you know what? Some of these new skylines where they've built like these massive skyscrapers in the last 20 years in China don't look great. You know, it's just like, yeah, anything, any, anything went. They were like, yeah, just throw it up. That's fine. That and and it comes across, and there's no cohesion. It just doesn't look like anything. And even parts like Shenzhen or like Chongqing or wherever, like you're like, oh, it, don't, it doesn't look great. See, so, Hong Kong for me is is up there in the all killer, no filler bit because I just think all all together, it's so dramatic and impressive. It's that it's that. Yeah. Again, the geography and the impossible—you know—there's there's no land to build on, so you've got to build upwards. And this incredible verticality around all the, you know, the mountains around it and the the harbour around it. For me, just all together, it's just absolute killer. It's is banging. Do you know what? I'm not sure on old Sydney, Liam. Do you think the old towers? And do killer. you think what do you think? Killer, old... killer. I I really don't like Sydney yeah. skyline. Yeah, I was chatting to my mate about this the other day. Um, yeah, I just find it a bit soulless. I mean, you've got the um, Harbour Bridge, the Opera House, beautiful, oh, iconic beautiful. landmarks. Yeah, and Sydney yeah. is a as a city, like the bay. Um, you know, when you go over the bridge, it, it's I, I think it's probably one. It probably is the most beautiful cities in the world to me. But the skyline is it does nothing for me. Mm. Yeah, the skyline's filler, but the harbour's killer. That's what we like. Yeah. Mm. Like yeah, a classic element. There's some there's some go good tracks, bridge. there's some bad tracks, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. mate. It's like one of your Spotify playlists, mate. Some bangers. <laughs> and some rubbish. But, but like our podcast episodes, mate. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, Right, we are also heading over to moving on, moving on from that bombshell. We're also heading over to Singapore, where Zaha Hadid architects have done it again, guys. Is there anything they can't do wrong? We have got the new Singapore Science Centre, uh, Zaha Hadid architects pairing up with Architects sixty one, and this thing is built in the Jurong Lake Gardens and is kind of inspired by those gardens. It features these enormous, huge buildings, sorry, huge windows or monocles that come out of the building and offer incredible views of the lake and surrounding landscape. It, sustainable design is a really big deal here. So this is all to do with Singapore's Green Plan 2030, natural ventilation, controlled daylight, uh, low energy usage, visitor well-being put to the fore, uh, photovoltaics, insulating roof gardens, 
all the things you'd expect to be there. Um, uh, building management system is aiming to reduce energy consumption by over 40%, a water management mm. system, all kinds of nice stuff. And then to throw it all on top, it looks absolutely gorgeous as well. Sorry to steal your word, Luke, but I, I like this mm. one. Very futuristic, very edgy, at least in the renders. What do you guys reckon? Uh, love it, mate. I love everything about Singapore's architecture. I, I always feel whenever I see like a new project announced in Singapore, it, it for me it kind of represents modern Asian architecture or modern Asia in a way. Mm. They mm. just oh, there's not many um, projects that I that I that I don't like over there. Yes, yeah, a good what shout, you, mate. I, you know I, what I mean. I feel like. Hmm? No, I was saying. I was just saying. You know. You know what I mean, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do know what you mean. I do it's know what you mean. mean. Um, yeah, it's the thing is. I think if you look at the render, I'd look at this and be a little bit dubious, and I'd be like, "Ah, oh, it's not going to look like that. The finished product isn't going to look like that." I'm looking at even just the tiles and the kind of mirrored reflection underneath. However, Singapore, the the standard, the construction standard in Singapore is so ridiculously high that yeah, I think. It, it will look like that. You know, even the other day, um, we, we looked at that new skyscraper. Is it like the Bamboo Gardens or something like that? I've, I, I, I'll Google it afterwards. But that, that skyscraper looks exactly like the render. It looks fantastic. The finish, the execution is tremendous. And um, I think it's great, mate. I think it's really, really great. It's beautiful. It's maybe, maybe gorgeous. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting comments on this one as well. We've got some people saying it's absolutely stunning. Lots of the fire and hand clap emoji going on. Uh, someone saying, I like it, but I can't stop thinking about it looking like a giant car exhaust, which is um, kind of interesting. Someone <laughs> saying, can Zardid please design a whole city from scratch? It would look amazing. Singapore is doing it right. Great projects. I love Singapore. Mm. And then there's someone else who said, uh, is it me or... The architects at Zaha Hadid are becoming a bit more standard, a bit more benign. It's not a bad thing, mm. but that signature style is slowly wearing off. Mm. There's a lot of ninety. There's a lot of ninety degrees in this, yeah. And Zaha is like famously not about just the ninety degree angles. Do you know what I mean? So there's a there's a lot of that in this. So maybe yeah. I, I. Do you know what I get? I get. I get what that that person's saying. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, someone else saying it looks like an old building, and I, I, I don't know. I think they they do quite a good job of because they do such a wide variety of projects. They do quite a good job of designing things that really do fit with the context and the brief, but also have that signature Zaha sinuous curves. The the you know the the signature Zaha D thing that you can't quite put your finger on, but you see it and you go, oh yeah, that's a Zaha deed. I think they. They do a pretty good job of keeping it varied and interesting while still having the signature coming through. But yeah, interesting, interesting comment. Hmm. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Have you guys had a good time? Have you had a good time, Luke? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I've had. I've had a great time. New York skyscrapers, mate. New York skyscrapers, Ecuador, Singapore. Having a little uh, shout out to Red Team. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Good crack. Good crack. <laughs> How about a you, Liam? Have you had the world. Fun? Yeah. I've had a great time, mate. Great time. As Fred likes to say, highlight of my week. Just chatting with the fellas. Chatting about That's construction. Yeah. Red team. It's good. 
It's the dream, isn't it? What about you, about, Fred? You loved yeah. it, mate. Has this been the highlight of your week this week? It has, as always, guys. Talking to you guys is always the highlight of my week. And talking about construction, what's not to love? What's not to love? Anyway, guys, let us know what you thought about this episode. We talked about that banger of a video that came out on the B1M yesterday, all about the relentless evolution of the New York skyscraper, Quito's new tallest building, and you now know Quito is the capital of Ecuador, Singapore's new science centre. The whole thing was sponsored by the fantastic guys at Red Team. Don't forget, go to redteam.com and check out that free version today. Stay festive, and we will see you next week.